Welcome to season three of Citizen Femmes podcast. We are thrilled to bring to you one-to-one interviews with some of the most brilliant and inspiring women we have ever come across. This season, we focus on 12 journeys with and explore the journeys of 12 fascinating women. Welcome to our new season, and we are kicking off this season with the brilliant and inspiring Jane Pointer. As we explore journeys, what better journey to take than to space? Jane, I am going to let you introduce yourself before we dig into your journey. Tell us all about yourself. Not all, just some, because we have lots of questions to ask. (laughs) Well, hi there. Yeah, so Jane Pointer, I am founder and co-CEO of Space Perspective the very first luxury space travel company, which I think we're going to talk about in a bit. And I am very privileged and excited to have been involved in taking people to space in one form or another my entire adult life, which has been an extraordinary journey. I mean, it really is an extraordinary journey. What what made you want to do this? Is this something that you dreamed of as a child? Growing up in England, it didn't ever occur to me that I could really truly be involved in space, like as in go to space myself or take somebody else to space. But I was certainly inspired by many of the people that I met growing up as a child who were world explorers, you know, who sailed around the world. Uh, climbed mountains and things like that. And I also was one of those kids that read Isaac Asimov under my blankets with a torch at night. So very inspired by the idea of space and exploration. So is that is it these people around you that sparked your interest in space exploration? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it what it did was open my eyes to the possible. You know, when you see other people you know, women especially doing incredible things like, uh, you know, I met Claire Francis, really a seminal moment. Uh, And she was the first woman to sail single-handedly across the Atlantic. And it was, you know, it was really extraordinary, you know, that that, uh, people could do these really unusual things that most people would consider you know, impossible or maybe even just slightly crazy, uh, but do it and do it incredibly well. And so I think seeing other people do these extraordinary feats kind of gave me permission to think big. And that's really what allowed me to even think that being involved in space was a possibility for me. Having those people around is integral, and it's it's wonderful that I think you're one of those people that inspires, uh, you know, kids moving forward, which is fantastic. I want to talk about Biosphere Two, and you had a two year experience living there. Can you tell us about the space and your experience? Biosphere Two. Uh, so why don't why don't we talk about what it is first? Yes, please. Yeah. So Biosphere Two is uh, the world's most high-fidelity prototype space base that was ever built and operated. And I was lucky enough to be on the design team and the first, very first crew to live inside it for two years. And it is a completely sealed environment that is three acres in footprint. And the it is 
sealed, at least when we were living in it, I should say, it was sealed tighter than the International Space Station. And inside this miniature world, we had our own living system that was modeled after planet Earth. So we had a little rainforest, an ocean, a marsh, a savanna, a desert. We had the farm where we grew all our food. And then, of course, the habitat where we all lived. And the idea is, you know, we all live here on planet Earth in Biosphere 1. And we were creating the very first human-made biosphere. And honestly, we didn't even know if it was possible. There was a lot of people who said it was impossible to do something like this. Because you know you have to put yourself back in time. We were doing this in the 80s. And we were spelling the word biosphere to people down the phone because it was such uh, an unusual term for people then. We even had to define what a biosphere is in order to be able to make one. And so I was, uh, I was really lucky to have been, gotten involved and was inside for the entire two-year uh, duration. And uh, it was the most extraordinary thing that I have ever done and perhaps the hardest thing I've ever done. Tell us about the experiences that were particularly wonderful and particularly hard. So the hard part is simply being in the same place with the same people doing the same thing for two years without leaving. And I think, you know, now after over a year of being involved in the pandemic, people can probably start to relate a little bit to, you know, what it was like to be enclosed. Um, you know, we were growing all our food, we recycled all our air, we recycled all our water. So we were maintaining our own mini world. And it was, um, you know, it was really an extraordinary experience. The highlight of it was that I really knew at a visceral level that I was part of my biosphere. So moment to moment, I was completely conscious of the fact that my CO2 that I was exhaling was going out to make the plants that I was growing. The plants that I was growing were giving me the oxygen I needed to breathe. And you know, we were eating so many sweet potatoes that we were turning visibly orange. And so we were sort of becoming part sweet potato. So it was really clear to us that we were very literally embedded in our biosphere. And that gives you a really interesting perspective. And it turns out that the perspective that we had inside Biosphere 2 of being part of our Biosphere and really understanding at a very visceral level that what we had inside our Biosphere was all we had, that we had our own miniature world and that was that, is the same experience that astronauts have when they see Earth in space and they see our planet with its thin blue line in the context of the vast blackness of space and they too have this deep, this bone deep experience that this is our planet that we inhabit as a singular human family on Spaceship Earth. And it's actually that that has inspired the rest of, of my career in space. So talking about the rest of your career to date so far, after leaving Biosphere 2, you went on to found Paragon Space Development Corporation with your former fellow biospherian and now husband, Tabor McCallum. 
Can you tell us about Paragon? How did that come to fruition and working with your husband? Right, so let me start with Paragon. Uh, so uh, Tabor and I were inside Biosphere 2 and actually started the company with people on the outside that we never met in person. In fact, we think we might be the very first company to have been started over the internet. Because remember, this was in the very early 90s when the internet was like in its infancy. <laughs> um, so we uh, started it with two fellow people from the International Space University, Grant Anderson and Dave Bearding. And the four of us started this company with the idea that we were going to be the company that takes people to space by making their life support system. So Tabor and I just lived for almost two years at this stage inside the, our own life support system. And now we wanted to create life support systems to take people elsewhere, whether that's to space, underwater, you know, to the moon, to Mars, wherever. And uh, so that's what we started the company to do. Uh, and uh, today, the company has technologies on just about every human spacecraft in operation and in design today, including the International Space Station, and soon going to the moon. So I couldn't be prouder of the team. Uh, we, Tabor and I, left the company in the very capable hands of Grant Anderson uh, a few years ago. Uh, to start other businesses, uh, and he's uh, he's doing a spectacular job with uh, with developing and operating life support systems in extreme environments. So it was a very exciting thing to do. And, you know, it was very early days of commercial space flight, and so it was exciting to see commercial space flight really come to life and uh, see the company go from strength to strength. And look, working with Tabor, I have done that my just about my entire adult life. So um, you know, we uh, we have a, I suppose one would say, a very special relationship. Um, we are, you know, the closest of friends. We're business partners, um, and it has worked incredibly well. I mean, he was a tremendous support system for me inside Biosphere Two, as I'm as I'm sure I was for him, uh, and uh, that continues on to today. That's brilliant. Dinner conversations must be fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is rather hard to leave it to leave it at the office. I will say, uh, we we don't really have a, a a clean line at all between uh, between dinner conversations and and the office. That's that's for sure. I'm sure it beats plenty of other dinner conversations. So you moved on from Paragon, and now you have your latest venture, Space Perspective. Yes. Oh my goodness. I am so excited about this company. Space Perspective, as I said right at the very beginning of our conversation, is the world's first luxury space travel company. You know, and what we mean by that is that we're really reimagining spaceflight to make it accessible to people. I think when you think about space travel, you think about the right stuff. You think about having to put on a special spacesuit and rockets and high Gs and rigorous training. And we have dispensed with all of that. None of that is needed. Uh, and instead, we're using a space balloon technology that allows us to take people to space in the very gentle and comfortable way. So it's a pressurized capsule 
under a space balloon, and it takes about two hours to get to space. We're going to space at 12 miles an hour. We'll take eight passengers and a pilot up to space where they'll then linger there, looking out at our incredible planet through these extraordinary panoramic windows, seeing the sunrise over the limb of the Earth with the thin blue line of our atmosphere and the blackness of space behind it, really getting that quintessential astronaut experience. And of course, there'll be a bar on board and a loo and Wi-Fi. Uh, and then we'll gently descend over a two-hour period and splash down where a ship meets it. Everybody disembarks on the ship and it's all brought ashore. So it's a, it's a very different experience than one normally thinks of as a space flight experience. And we are getting huge response. Do you consider, because there are, I mean, this is fantastic and it's such a leap forward for, for space travel. There are other space tourism projects. You've got Virgin Galactic, SpaceX, Blue Origin. Do you consider these as competitors of space perspective? We do not consider other, uh, other suborbital companies uh, as, as competition for us at all. Um, you know, there's so much demand for this. You know, we put tickets on sale in February, privately first, and then publicly in June. And we've already sold over 400 tickets, which we're incredibly excited about. And, you know, I mean, the demand is just going to outstrip the industry's ability to supply it for years to come. Uh, and on top of that, our experience is so completely differentiated uh, from anybody else's experience. Uh, it's, you know, the safety of, of our vehicle is unparalleled. Uh, and as I already talked about, the comfort uh, and the gentle uh, accessibility of it. So absolutely not. And in fact, um, it's been very exciting for us to see uh, the, sort of the uh, Virgin and Blue Origin flights because, you know, it's, it's just adding to the excitement. Uh, so it, it's awesome. Of course. I mean, the whole the whole area of this is just because there's a lot more noise about it there's a lot more interest and I'm so thrilled to have you hear that you've had so much interest that's fantastic and how many people per flight did you say uh, there are eight passengers uh, and a pilot on board spaceship Neptune brilliant so it's really and comfort is a big thing so the safety and the comfort all of these uh, which leads me to my next question do you think with all of these factors that you're bringing in that makes you really stand out do you think space is going to become a bucket list destination, like one would go on an African safari, perhaps, or, you know, a trip around Australia. How far are we away from that? Space already is a bucket list destination. Uh, people haven't start, started going there yet because the vehicles aren't available to take them there. We're just beginning to see it, right? So we just had uh, some folks go up uh, on New Shepard. We're about to see passengers go up uh, on Spaceship Two early next year. We're going to be taking people up very soon, uh, just a couple of short years here. And I mean, people are, people are already looking to it as, as a destination. And what, what's exciting about this industry is, look, we're, we're opening up not just a whole new destination for people to go to, but we're opening up a whole new way of living in the future. I mean, there is no question in my mind that very soon people will be living on the moon, on Mars. You know, people are already living on the space station, perhaps not uh, 
for more than a few months, but we already have people continually living in space. So this is going to become a new place to live. And so you're just seeing the beginning of this. This is the very early days of, of what's going to happen with this industry. And we couldn't be happier with the response we're getting from people to uh, where this industry is going and to our product in particular. I mean, we're just thrilled. Uh, and the things that people say, you know, when we talk to them about taking them to space, you know, that it, it, it's everything from, you know, this, this has been my dream my entire life since I was a child and I never thought I was going to be able to go and here you are doing this incredible thing and I'm so happy that I can take you to, I want to take my entire family because this is something that every human on earth should experience once to at least once seeing our earth in the vantage, from the vantage point of space. And I'm so excited to hear people say things like that, you know, and sort of what's, what's really driving uh, a lot of what we're doing is the idea of having people see Earth in space and everything that comes with that newfound perspective. You know, that's, I mean, I, I often think about what it would be like to have an entire society where people have experienced our Earth in space. You know, when that incredible image of just the photograph that was taken of Earth in space during the Apollo mission had a huge ripple effect across the world. Now imagine what it would be like for people to have actually seen it with their own eyes and experienced it viscerally. Uh, it changes people. And we're really, really excited to be part of that. I guess I've got so many questions coming out of that. But you spoke about living in these other environments and how it's so accessible and it's perhaps closer than we think. Um, from, your, from your work and all your research, in what time frame do you think that the human race was going to be able to live in these extreme environments? You've got outer space, underwater, all of these other environments. And what technologies might help this happen? Well, people already are living in very extreme environments all around the planet and, and off the planet, right? I mean, we've already got the International Space Station. Uh, we just had another space station uh, uh, get going. So we're already seeing it. Uh, now it's a, a sort of a really a, a question of scaling it, uh, to put it in entrepreneurial terms. Uh, and that scaling is, is just going to take a bit of time. There's, uh, you know, there really isn't magic technology. You know, one of the big things that was a huge enabler was getting launch costs down so that we could get just stuff out of the, up out of the gravity well. Uh, you know, launch costs are coming down. That's, you know, it's still expensive. Um, but they are beginning to come down, and there's a huge, huge effort from, I don't know, there's like 100-plus companies right now that are, that are chasing launch uh, capabilities. So you're going to see launch costs coming down extensively, which then allows us to, to take more and more things into space uh, and, um, uh, and to the moon and beyond. You know, I, what, what I like to think about and where we sit in all of this is that whilst there's a lot happening in technology, there's not a lot of people thinking about, and in fact, I think we're really the only people thinking about how to create a human 
experience in space. That's not technology driven. You know, when I, I, you know, when you see the sort of the classic images of people living on the moon or Mars, it sort of looks very stark. Yeah, we are creating experiences that are very human-centered, like the, the entire design of our, of our spaceship puts the human experience at the center of it. Uh, and so, you know, as we look into the, into the long future, you know, 10 years and onwards, you know, we want to be part of actually helping create the experience for people in these other, other locations so that we do put the human at the center of living on the moon or Mars in space. Gosh, what, what an in incredible feat to try and to, to achieve and something that's definitely in our vision. It's in our eyeline sooner than we probably think. Well, obviously it's been years and a lot of hard work, but it doesn't seem so far away at all. No, I don't think it is. You know, I think um, we have been waiting for quite a long time. I will say that 30 years ago, I thought we would already be on Mars. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not yet. Um, we've still got a ways to go before we're going to be on Mars, I think. Uh, but there is a lot of progress happening. And what is really exciting is, and what I didn't expect to see so much of when I first got into this business um, 30 years ago, is that industry is driving this, not governments, to a large degree. Uh, you know, that's really exciting. You know, there's, there's a lot of public-private partnerships happening with this. So, you know, the people that take us to, to the moon um, are less and less likely to be governments and more and more likely to be companies, uh, which means, um, means a lot of different things. And one of the things it means is that, it, you know, we could get there faster. You know, companies tend to do things a little more efficiently than governments uh, because of uh, you know, a whole variety of ways in which they operate. So I, I think that, uh, that we will be very likely to see business, you know, public-private partnerships getting us to the moon fairly soon. You know, you know, there's talk of NASA wanting to have boots on the ground you know, with just a few short years. We'll see if NASA uh, can do that, but certainly in partnership with you know, SpaceX, SpaceX and others will certainly get there in this decade and be permanently somewhere, most likely on the moon first because it's uh, so much closer. So talking about this movement and industry and companies like yours who are really making those big steps and progress, do you consider yourself a change agent? I don't think about whether, you know, what I am, what I think about is the impact I am able to have. And, you know, with space perspective, I am incredibly excited about the impact I think we're going to be able to have, both to furthering the idea of a, becoming a multiplanetary species. You know, the more people we take to space, the more familiar this idea is of having us live elsewhere, the more support there is for having us live elsewhere. So the, the faster and the more likely it is we'll get there soon. Then also why I'm excited about what we're doing is now turning around and looking back at Earth. Because 
it's been demonstrated now that astronauts come back from space having seen our planet in, in this context with this newfound idea that we are a singular human family inhabiting spaceship Earth. When they come back from space, they tend to get more involved in so, uh, social and environmental programs. And so I have a real fervent hope that when people, some people come back from their experience on Spaceship Neptune, that they will be inspired by this experience and will do something exciting with that newfound energy and that newfound perspective. And that's what I get up in the morning to do, is to help people go to space so that they can have this experience of seeing Earth in space and all that comes with that new perspective. I would certainly consider yourself a change agent after that, <laughs> to, to come back and have a renewed vision and a new focus and work on something much more impactful, having seen that other side, I think is, is integral and really, really important. What's next for Space Perspective? At Space Perspective, we are fully focused uh, on getting us all to space as quickly as possible, to commercial flight as quickly as possible. So we, are, we just had a really fabulous test flight in June um, where we took a, an unpressurized, uncrewed capsule through the entire flight profile, um, launching from the Space Coast in Florida, uh, flew over the peninsula of Florida, splashed down in the Gulf of Mexico, um, just exactly as, as one would if one was flying on a commercial flight. So that was really exciting. And then we are galloping towards our first uh, crewed flight in uh, early 2023, and then our first commercial flight in 2024. Gosh, that's all creeping up, and that's a lot of wonderful prep. How very, very exciting. Thank you, Jane, for sharing that journey with us. And we are avidly watching Space Perspective and everything you have coming up and hoping that you have the most wonderful journeys ahead. Thank you so much for your time. Is there anywhere we can follow you on? I mean, I can't imagine you have time for social media, but is there anywhere that we can um, follow all of this progress? Yeah, so awesome. If, uh, if you want to find out more, uh, go to our website at spaceperspective.com and you can find out all about the company, our spaceship, and you can also, for the very first time, buy a ticket to space online. Brilliant. And how much is that going for? $125,000 a seat right now. And at the moment, you just need to put down a refundable deposit, anywhere from $1,000 to $25,000, depending on when you would like to fly. Brilliant. Jane, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story with us. We wish you the best of luck and we uh, look forward to taking a journey to space with you someday. Thank you so much. I very much enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed that. Let us know what you think of the show by commenting on social media and by leaving a review. See you next time.